Ephesians 3, chapter 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that suppresses knowledge, that you may filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in all church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 Let's explore that scripture together. But before we do, I want to say thanks to Mateo. Thanks to Haiti. Great job. Uh, reading. Thank you, Pedro, for leading us in with music. Um, today, uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of an experiment, seeing how's, how this is a joint service. Scott and I are going to be team preaching or team teaching uh, the lesson today so that perhaps you can get the benefit of both churches um, in the lesson. So it falls to me to introduce what we're talking about this morning. And let me do that by saying this, that, that in the passage that Matteo and Haiti just read, Paul is down on his knees praying that the Ephesians would understand something, that they would understand that God is giving them something, an incredible, incredible gift. I'll tell you what it is in a second, but I, I want you to know that it's, it's so much bigger than we think, more powerful than we think, it's more relevant. Then we think, and when I tell you what it is, you might think also, it's also a little bit more abstract than we can get a hold of. It's not so easy to wrap your head around it necessarily. And as soon as I say it, you'll recognize it and you'll say, okay, I think I have a little bit of it. I think I have some of it, but I know that I need more. And Paul says, I pray, I'm down on my knees praying that you understand that you have it. And so what he's praying for, will you, Pastor, will you please? Tell me what it is already. It's strength. It's spiritual strength. He prays twice that you might be strengthened. He uses the word power twice. Power that from God wells up by the Holy Spirit in the inner person. So that, you know, you know how you're supposed to react to the teaching this morning. When he says you have spiritual strength from God, it's like the, the first time the Hulk punches through a wall. And he looks at his fist and he goes, oh, whoa, like, I'm that strong? That's exactly how you're supposed to respond. It's literally like he's praying for a superpower, a supernatural power from God that is at work within us in Christ. It might be latent. It might be hidden. It might be underdeveloped or, or misunderstood. But it's there is what Paul is saying. And I hope that you can comprehend it. I hope you can know it is what he's trying to say, strength. So now. This is week nine of sheltering in, and you may have lost your wit, been at your wit's end in, in week three of sheltering in, and so you're weak in week nine. 
the summer's coming and you don't know what you're going to do. The kids' camps are all canceled or their super has not gotten to install your air conditioners yet or the, you're not sure if the air conditioning is going to be working this summer and it's coming. You don't know whether or not you can let them in the, in, in the apartment. You may not have income. You may not have enough food. Many of the people that you know are still getting sick. I had two reports of people who, who passed this week still. And so the pastoral question for you this morning as we come to Ephesians 3 is, do you feel weak in any area of life? Maybe you have, you have, you're holding it together, but you have that you hear one story on the news, that one Facebook post, and you just take a dip, and in the moment you feel weak. If the dimensions of the strength that Paul is talking about in this passage are anywhere as big as they are described, then the pastoral encouragement of the teaching today is, it's going to be enough. It'll be enough for you. Do you need strength, spiritual strength? And here's the good news. In Christ, it's at work within you. Now, how does that work? Where's a couple of places that we can look for it? And that's what we're going to try to articulate it to you. And either it's going to be fantastic in this team teaching, or it'll be, it'll be terrible and really awkward. We'll get the transitions on wrong. Uh, here comes one of the transitions. Scott's going Scott's gonna to teach a little bit on, on what it is, what the strength looks like. Yeah, sometimes people think that Christianity promotes weakness. You know, we talk about kindness and we talk about being shaped to forgive and to be a person of peace. Uh, and it would be easy to get the impression Christianity promotes weakness, giving the only things we know about strength. But Jesus actually comes in to say the problem is not that I'm here to promote weakness. The problem is you are weak but you don't have the comprehension, the understanding to know what true strength is. And so um, in our weakness, nobody enjoys the experience of being weak. We try to reach out for what will empower us. Um, Jesus is inviting us to reach deep into something to draw from. But the problem is we grab the first things around us and we wind up drawing in what only further weakens us. Jesus is trying to lead us to, to a different place, to true strength but we're not drawing in what we need. When I was young, I don't remember if I was five or six, my family went to visit some people that had a swimming pool and they had a mask and snorkel. And as a young boy, it was so exciting to think about the ability to be able to stay underwater for extended periods of time. And at five, I probably understood the difference between scuba diving and, scuba diving and snorkeling and, and understood that I need to stay at the surface. However, it was explained to me, I don't remember, and I think I understood it, but I, I probably had a coordination issue. <laughs> I put my face in the water, and after three or four breaths, I was breathing in water. And so, so the, the snorkel needs to stay out of the water in the air so I could draw in the air. And there was something about at that age where I wasn't able to, to keep the snorkel out. And as a typical five or six-year-old, I declared that there was something wrong with the snorkel. <laughs> it wasn't working. It was broken. And uh, I look back and think, I think there was something wrong with me. I just wasn't using it properly. But, but there it is. I need to draw in air. You don't want to aggressively breathe water into your lungs. Uh, well, what are we going to draw in that provides strength? And, and, and we grab onto these things and, and, and are drawing things into our lives that then are harming us and weakening us. And then we think there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong with God. Uh, and Jesus is saying, well, there might be something wrong with what you're holding on to. And that's, that's what faith does. Faith takes hold of. Well, what are you trusting? What are you leaning on? What are your, 
sources of life and strength. And that's where in this passage, uh, it tells us where we get strength from, and it's faith and love. And, and it's from love, but it's through faith. Faith is what reaches out and takes hold of and draws love in. And that, that provides a real strength. And so verses 16 and 17, Paul's prayer, Paul's desire for us is that God would grant you to be strengthened in power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. So what's in view is a spiritual vitality. And he goes on with a metaphor, an organic metaphor about growth, about being rooted. Uh, but it begins with God giving you life. And so you could plant a fork in fertile soil and you could water it, and you could fertilize it, but you're not going to have a cutlery set after six months. Um, you need to be alive. And so the spirit is where we come alive. And so God puts a spirit in us. But now, is that spirit going to grow? Is it going to grow in power? Is it going to grow in stature? Is it going to grow to the fullness that's described here? So verses 16, 17 goes on, uh, that you'd be strengthened in power through your Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's what faith does. Faith takes hold of. So even in this passage where it talks about comprehending, it's, it's not just cognitive, but it's an understanding that reaches in and deepens. So in verses 17 and 18, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. And so there it is that God would grant you strength in power through the spirit. But how does that power grow? How do you get stronger? Well, being rooted and grounded in love. And so faith are like those roots that go out, but where do they go? Well, when they go into the love of Christ, that's where you draw your life from. And so this being rooted and grounded, uh, it's, it's a mixture of, it's a, it's a botanical and agricultural metaphor, roots. It's also an architectural, a structural engineering metaphor, a grounded foundation. And we know that, that in both those cases, the unseen is, is sometimes more important than the seen. You see a building, you don't see the foundation, but for the building to stand, its foundation is important. And so there's an unseen reality. We, you know, we know about this when we think of the iceberg, how, much, how little of it is above the water and how much of it is under the water. And we apply that to brain science or any of these things where we realize so many of the important things are unseen. What we're told here is that there's a world that we see, but there's an unseen reality. And we are to root ourselves. We are to ground ourselves in the love of Christ. So we get our strength from faith and love, but what, are, what is our strength for? Verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend. And again, this is not just cognitive, but it's an understanding that takes hold of, that makes sense of. And one of the things that indicates is it's, it's a lack of spiritual vitality. It's a lack of faith. It's because we're not trying from love. We don't understand what's happening in our lives and in our world. We're, we're misinterpreting the things we don't see because we're drawing from unseen things that are harmful. Um, and so, so why is he telling us this in verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? And so, so that's what we're told is that, that God puts life into us by his, his kindness, his grace. He, he gives us the spirit and we're to extend out in faith into the love of Christ and draw life from that so that we would start to comprehend, that we would have strength to really understand as we battle through life, and that we would be filled with all fullness. And it's that lack, that emptiness, that causes us desperately to fill our lives with things that weaken us. And we're told to actually reach deeply, grow deep, uh, put your roots down in the love of Christ. 
I grew up in the, the city, so I don't have much experience with uh, gardening or farming. And so whenever I read these agricultural metaphors in the Bible, uh, I always have to do a little bit of research. But I did recently start some uh, farming in my apartment. My kids wanted a dog, and, uh, and dogs take a lot of uh, attention and care. And if they really wanted to care and, and attend for something, I, I thought getting them an arrow garden instead of a dog. Uh, would be good because the arrow garden requires a lot of attention, um, but it's just a lot easier to take care of than a pet. So we have an arrow garden. For those of you that don't know what an arrow garden is, it allows you to grow things in your home. Now, we live in an apartment where we get at no time of any part of the day direct light. So we have a device where we can grow. We happen to be growing herbs, mint, parsley, basil. You could grow lettuce, tomatoes. Um, but where there's a light that shines for 15 hours on top of these uh, these herbs, and so they grow. Um, but, you know, there's a number of things that are important. Obviously, our air quality needs to be good enough, not just for the family, but for the plants to exist. Um, so we limit our carbon dioxide. We don't leave the stove on when we're not home. Um, but, the, but the device itself provides two main things. There's the light that's needed for growth. And that's really important. But what I've discovered is what requires a lot of time and attention and care is what's going on in the device, what's going on underneath. And so, so the technology is called hydroponic, so it uses water rather than soil. But basically, uh, it's a tank of water where, where the plants lay their roots into the water. And that takes all the management. The light is just set. It comes on, it comes off. The light's very important. And you do occasionally, every, every couple of weeks, you have to raise the light because you want the light to be as close to the plants as possible. But as they grow, you raise the light so the, the plants move towards the light, constantly chase it and grow. That takes me, you know, uh, three minutes a month. But I find dealing with the water. <laughs> the water needs to be clean and we need to empty it out and then wash, the, wash it out so bacteria doesn't form. We need to fill it with water. We need to add nutrients on a schedule. Uh, and then as the plants deepen their roots, it sucks up so much water that every day we're having to put in water. If we forget for a day, all of a sudden the, the leaves start to brown. And it's, it's that care, that attention of, of, of the, the vitality of the plants and their growth, their health. It depends on the light. It depends on their environment. depends on numerous factors. But what's so important is what's happening that we don't see. And that's where the time, the attention is being taken. And, and what Paul's encouraging us when he prays for us, he's showing us that his spiritual vitality as he goes out into the world to be bold and to serve and to engage the world as a physical human being, bringing the reality of Christ, to be strengthened to do that rather than being defeated by the world. He has to do a lot of work where he, he needs to go deep. He needs to put his roots into Christ. Um, and he draws from that. And that's where he grows. You know, Ren and I, when we started this week, you know, the, the imagery here about being rooted, we were thinking of trees and dirt. Um, but we were talking yesterday about the arrow garden. It, 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 it's kind of different imagery, isn't it, Ren? Yeah, I, and the more you talk about it, the more I think it's, it's sort of perfect because there's nothing that seems so vulnerable than some oregano <laughs> that is trying to grow in a New York City apartment. Uh, and <laughs> it just seems so vulnerable. And so we, but if it draws on the water, if it draws on, you know, on, if it's rooted and grounded in what it needs, then it's actually being strong. And, and the thing that strikes me is how far Paul is, how hard Paul is working to describe the strength that's coming out. I mean, you're going to have like the strongest oregano ever. I mean, that, right, that's the metaphor, that that's what you are. I mean, in, in verse 18, I pray that you have the strength to comprehend what's the breadth, the length, the height and depth. He's doing spatial 
things, right? He doesn't actually in, in, you can see in, in this translation that he doesn't even finish the phrase. He's like gushing. He's trying to get you past your boundaries. Verse 19, the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, which means what you think you know about his love or what you think about, you know, it's bigger than that. It surpasses that verse 19 again, so that you're filled with the fullness of God. You know, how full is being full with God? Mm -hmm. He's talking about infinity there. Like he keeps going. Verse 20, the God that's working within us can do more than we can ask or think. So if you have a need out of your weakness and you can imagine a question to ask God for, he's telling you that his strength is more than that. If you can conceive of it in your imagination that God is able to do it, his strength is more than that. That's what that's saying there. And then even another dimension in verse 21, where he says, the God who is giving you the strength and giving you this love, his glory is going to last beyond time, generations after generations, forever and ever. So it's not just height to height with depth of breath. It's, it's going to outlast this present darkness. Like, so when I think of that oregano plant and I put it up against all of these gushing, hardworking metaphors that he's pulling out, his strength, the strength that is expected is no match. So yeah, I, I think it is now, I don't think of trees anymore. I'm going to think of arrow gardens. Yeah, but it, it does raise the question for us, you know, where are our roots? Are, are, we, are we connecting deeply with something that's healthy? And it's in that lack of fullness, that, that sense that something's missing. We just, we, we grab onto whatever's around us. And so if, as we reflect, what, what is it? What are you rooted in? <laughs> Where are you? What are you taking hold of? What are you trusting? Um, I know for myself in this, this period, the last couple of months have been, been an anxious time. And, and I'm somebody that I like to understand what's happening. And this whole COVID thing has been confusing. I don't understand uh, what to do. I don't understand what, what the best practices are. And, and as we're getting the information alive, I find in the, in, the, in, in the sense of weakness that I've experienced there, the sense of emptiness, I, I go to the news. <laughs> and I find myself obsessively reading the news to get the latest information that, that I wind up putting my roots into it to think, well, there's something in the news that will, will strengthen me because it will explain things. It'll tell me what's going on. It will connect me. But putting your roots there only winds up making you more anxious because you're, you're connecting deeply with, with the confusion as it's going. And so the, the Christian answer is not close the newspaper and ignore what's going on in the world. It's make sure that your roots, your, your trust is going into the love of Christ. Then you have strength, you have power to comprehend the confusing, unsafe things uh, as you read about them. And, and it's that unseen reality that helps us explain what we see, and, and, and we know how important the unseen is, the roots in the plant, the foundation in the building. But here we're told to be rooted and grounded in love. Love is something we don't really see. Sometimes you see it manifested through people's actions. You know that love is there. Maybe you take a brain scan and you see somebody's oxytocin and uh, you know, whatever it is that, that, that uh, is demonstrating that, that love is at work. But if you put two individuals in front of you, everything you would assume about them is based on appearances and what you see. You know, if, if they're holding hands, maybe you assume they're romantically involved. If one is six and one is 80 and they're holding hands, maybe you assume it's a grandma. Um, there are certain things you can tell, but can you tell just by looking at two bodies next to each other if they love one another? And yet love is the bond, the connection, and love and trust go together that you know the difference. If you have a coworker that has some quirk, it may annoy you. Um, but if you love somebody, you may find their quirks charming. <laughs> 
or that coworker who has that quirk and you, you, you want them to stop, or you passive aggr passively aggressive try to complain about it, or you do some sort of help, self-help thing to deal with it. But if it's somebody that you love and they have a quirk, if it's a charming quirk, you enjoy it. If it's a harmful quirk, you, you work it out with them. And so love is unseen, it's unfelt, and yet it's vital. It, where there is love, things dynamically change. And that's what Paul is saying is that, that we're disconnected and we're desperate and we're weak. And if we're rooted in the love of Christ, if that's where we're going deep, if we trust him, then he will give us power to comprehend, strength to know what surpasses understanding. And so the question really is, how, how do you access this? <laughs> uh, so there it is. That's where power comes from. You have faith reaching into love, but what can you do? Yeah. How? Uh, I have a couple thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> how can... How can you access this strength that comes from being rooted in love through faith? Um, the more that we know the love of God through faith, the stronger we will be, right? That's the thesis. And so uh, let me give you a couple ideas. But uh, the, the, first, the first is simply to say, uh, I want to make the case that the pandemic is probably a better time, a better place than most to find out just how strong God is. You know, because how do you know how strong a tree is? And they're deep roots, they're really tall, thick trunk, it's really beautiful, but how do you know exactly how strong that tree is? Well, it's not until the hurricane comes and tries to blow it over. That's when you really find out. And some of us are finding we're not, we don't feel as resilient as we thought we were. And so how do we get more in the act? How do we draw down? How do we pull up the nutrients from God's love? What are some practical things that, and, and, and so this is, just an, this is just a plea to say, hey, listen, like if you're feeling weak and vulnerable right now, this may be the best time for you to learn this. Isn't it Second Corinthians where Paul says, God's power is made, made manifest in, his, in our weakness. That's when we find out. And so what's happening to us, and a metaphor that I thought of was, is there's a kind of dialysis that happens in our hearts. And dialysis is one of the machine, you know, like folks that I know who are suffering, it's, it's the intubation if they're struggling with COVID, but it's also the dialysis because they need help cleaning their blood. And sometimes the, the, the brokenness and the weakness and the suffering is the occasion for God to draw some of that, some of the lies that are making us weak, some of the, the false um, sources, exposing some of those things and drawing them out of us. The theological word might be sanctification, where he's making you die more and more to sin and live more and more into him. But dialysis, this ongoing thing, maybe the best opportunity right now is because it's, is while we're weak and suffering. But let me give you a, a couple ways that you can do right now. The first is through prayer. Duh. But I mean, a particular kind of prayer, which, which when, when I was talking to Scott about it, the idea... The metaphor that came up in my head was as a joust. You're, you need to joust two things. You remember jousting or no jousting in medieval, like two, two horses with knights on top with the big long spear and they're going at it. They run at each other. Actually probably a good fight for social distancing times actually, but the stronger guy uh, would, would knock over the, the weaker jouster. And it's that kind of fight in our heart, if we're honest, that's going on in our hearts when we're weak. It's not just, oh, I need to weather it, but it's a fight. There's awful light that makes us fight in our heart, but you joust with two things in specific. 
Number one is with the seen troubles that are drawing you down with the news, with the sickness and everything, all the facts that are there. And you joust that with the unseen power of God, with all the dimensions that are described in Ephesians. And in your heart, they, you have a fight. And you do it in real time on the spot when you feel weak, not just when you're off in your quiet time once a day in the morning when it's maybe not as relevant, but when you feel weak, you do it right in the moment. And you say, Lord, my heart is broken because I lost my mom to COVID. I couldn't go to the funeral. I couldn't go to the hospital. They wouldn't let me in because I'm from New York. That's true. That's all facts. And you behold them. But at the same time, you say, and, not but, you say, and, Lord, I know that you know what it means to lose a son. I know that you know what it means to lose a family member, to be sad and alone. And you out of love for me, volunteered for those things to save me, and that your love will last beyond all the generations. And so you're jousting his love with the facts of your difficult circumstance. And both, both are true, but you're pitting one, another, one of them against each other in your heart. And so you know what that does? If, if you can start there, over time, what happens spiritually is that there's more data in your heart for the love of God. And it can strengthen you. Because the alternative is actually, which makes you weaker over time, is to simply take the time to pray, but you don't joust. You merely lament. You say, I lost my mom. I'm really sick. I'm really, I don't have income. This is really hard for me. I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. This is terrible. But you never get around to fighting it with the love of God and jousting to say, and God loves me. God knows my suffering. He entered into it with me and he loves me. Right. And it's important actually that you don't say I'm suffering, but God loves me. There's, there's a, you know, it sounds like what I'm saying is Nietzsche, you know, like what, what doesn't kill me uh, makes me stronger. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. That's not always true. What, what almost kills me, almost kills me. What almost kills me gives me PTSD and it makes me weaker over time. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that if something comes into your life, you must joust with it, with the enormity of the strength of God and to sink your roots deep into the love of God and fight in your prayer time. And over time, you become the oak tree. Over time. And he may bring that power to bear in a very clear way, answers your prayer, very evident in your heart, strengthens your heart on the spot. I don't know what he's going to do. He may come through. He may not in one way or another. But over time, in prayer, as you come close to him in his love, as you're going through the difficulty, that can strengthen you over time. Does that make sense about what we talked about, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting, I, I think the idea of jousting there, um, the truth is if we're, not, if we're not jousting, if we're not working this out in prayer, the alternative is not that we're not working it out. Um, it's just that we're not working it out with God in that context. And so that's, that's the problem is all of us experience that inner wrestling, the conflict, the, we feel our weakness, we see the facts, and, and we wrestle through it. Prayer gives us the context to, to have that bigger reality that strengthens us rather than what we often 
or well, at least sometimes do. And you know, the Bible presents this character, uh, Satan, the adversary. So we have somebody who's against us, and 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 he's he's called the accuser, and he's outside of us. But if we're not grappling with prayer, the, the voice of the accuser winds up being internalized. So then you don't need an enemy. The enemy becomes your own voice. And so all of us are doing this, this grappling, this, this jousting, this fighting to understand what's going on. But we're not doing it rooted and grounded in love, looking up to the, to the love that surpasses. And so then what we want is we want God to give us the great affirmer. <laughs> uh, Lord, I feel miserable. And so Lord, just tell me that I'm okay. Uh, Lord, I'm a failure, but, but tell me that I'm actually not, that I'm better than, than I think. And the reality is the, the voice that's tr been trained by the accuser is always more powerful than the affirmer. God doesn't send the affirmer, he sends the advocate. And so when he says you're going to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, it's not a voice that comes in and says, none of this is true, your problems aren't real. It's an advocate of somebody that says, you're not going to face this alone, and, and I'm going to come in with my power and I'm going to be a voice with you, and I'm going to be your strength. Uh, and therefore, like you said, Ren, you know, it's, it's not that we're stronger by facing adversity. It's that as we face adversity, we're, we're strengthened by the, the power of the Spirit, where then we put our roots down, uh, and we realize that, that because of the love of God, that, that then I'm okay. There, there used to be a guy named, uh, there was a guy named Jack Miller that he would say to his people, cheer up, it's worse than you think. And what he was saying is, you know, as you draw nearer to Christ, you see your weakness in new ways, but, but don't get discouraged because the more that you, it's, you're not becoming weaker, you've been weak. The more you see your weakness in the context of the love of God, the more you're actually experiencing healing. And so it's not, you know, it's not that either you joust it out or you don't. It's you joust it out with God where these bigger, greater things uh, strengthen you. Or you just go and battle it out on your own and find out the, the extent of your weakness. And so, so this, uh, this idea of jousting takes prayer from being on your spiritual checklist of the responsibilities I need to do as a Christian and says that, that it's precisely when you find that you're not up to the spiritual task or to the task of life that working it out with God is, is going to be the thing that actually gives you the, the strength. And so, so that is really important. Yeah. Um, give me, let me give you a second way. Jousting with the seen trouble and the unseen power of God. Second way is simply to draw strength in love through faith in the church community. Um, and by the way, Mara's testimony was a perfect example of both of these things, of jousting and finding it in the community. Perfect. I know I've experienced community at Uptown I know from many sources you've experienced it at Emmanuel, but I'm drawing this from verse 17, where Paul says, I'm praying that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, not alone, the breadth and height and length and depth. Or verse 20, that God can do all things according to the power within us. This, this whole letter is, is plurally addressed. In Ephesians as a whole, anyway, its great theological theme is, is the glory of Christ in the church in the church community. So there's a sense in which we can only really comprehend the strength of God that is with us, the love of God that is with us, if we open up our eyes beyond ourselves and community and observing others and walking with others, seeing the struggles of others is one of the ways that he uses to sort of blow up the dimensions of our limited perspective. 
of, our, of, of his strength. That's one of the reasons we're worshiping together as two churches. We're trusting that it's actually working on your heart right now. But it's first of all, when we open up our eyes to consider, you know, I wonder how the love of God is doing in the life of so-and-so. In, in their love, we, we find somebody who's, who's joyful, came through something, and we unite our hearts, and it picks up our hearts. And then we, you're actually stronger. Or you find somebody who's hurting. They need some, something. You need to deliver them some food, go shopping for them. And then all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to meet a need. And when you meet the need, tangible experience of the love of God is passed. They experience the love of God. If they're a Christian, they'll say thank you to you, but you know that they will attribute that love to God. They will say thanks God for that. And so God has actually strengthened them and you will be strengthened as well. And the more that we can make our communities uh, an ocean of this love, the greater chance we have that we will actually experience that it will be undeniable that the love of God is in my life. And it's strengthening me. That's, that's simple. My mom, my mom, who loves me, just sent me masks that she made out of my childhood Aloha shirts. They're the cool, I wish I had a brought one, but they're the coolest looking masks because she knew it was bad in New York. And I, she, gave, she gave them to me last week. That piece of love, I have been living off of that for a week. Thank you, God. Like that is so, that is so surrounding me with love. And the more that we can do that with one another to open up our eyes, find the needs, find the joys and join them, we're going to be stronger. But the second thing that happens when you open up your eyes to people who are, who are in the church and what they're going through uh, is that you'll find that either there's people that are, are hurting more than you are. And there's also people that you'll find that are hurting less than you are. And, and when I've been talking to people, what, what happens when you discover that is that it brings up all kinds of emotions in your heart. It brings up guilt for some of us, resentment for some of us, fear, more fear, you know, more anger in some of us, all kinds of emotions that you might not have had to deal with if you hadn't had your eyes open to people that you love in the church. And you know what all those emotions are? There are, another, more, there are more occasions that are making you weak, and therefore there are more occasions for you to joust, and therefore there are more occasions for you to draw upon the love of God in ways and in, in maybe even desperation that you wouldn't have had if your eyes were just on yourself. And so as you empathize with other people, it brings up all of these occasions for you to draw on the love of God even more so that you can be strong to be resilient in those emotions. That's how we get through this pandemic. And all of a sudden on the inside, you're growing in strength. If you open your eyes to what other people in the church are going through and God can start that dialysis process in you. So all kinds of stuff is happening. As we go through, as, as, as Mara said, this, these concepts maybe are abstract and difficult to experience until we suffer. <laughs> and so by jousting and by being part of the community, those are just those are two simple ways that you guys all know of in which you can, you can grow your reach deeper. There's one more. 
thing actually that we need to do that we need to have that is more important than I think the two that I just give you. So you're able to sink your roots down and, and Scott's gonna tell you about that one. Yeah, it's humility. Prayer is important. Community is important. Humility is important, but, but it's, it's not just our own humility. There is something very humbling about seeing that we're weak. And that actually is an important part of growth. Uh, but we see in verse 14 that, that Paul says, it's for this reason I bow my knees. And I think, you know, reading this in a Christian church context, when we think of bowing the knees, because he's talking about how he prays for them, we think this is the imagery of prayer. And it, and it certainly is, except that so often in the first century, they stood to pray. They looked up and they lifted their hands. One of the things that they did that we don't do as much in our, at least in New York City, is when you were in the presence of somebody who was great, is when you bowed your knees. And so Paul is talking about this height and this breadth and this depth and this, this something that surpasses knowledge. He, he's talking about something so great that, that he lowers himself. He bows his knees. And it's not because uh, he's ashamed, because that's what happens when we're in, in worldly power. When we face something too great and we see our weakness, we bow our knees because we don't have the strength to face it. Paul is seeing something so wonderful that he bows his knees because he has a sense that he's not worthy, but he's going to be upheld by it. And so what's, what's remarkable is that he's looking up to Christ, uh, whose, whose love surpasses knowledge more than you can see, more than you can experience. There's a reality that he looks to that's vast and great. But, but here's, here's what makes Christianity a little bit different. If you go back to the, to the plant, the plant moves towards the light. And that's, that's what self-help tells you. That's what religion tells you. That if you just make your way up, you'll eventually get to that place of strength and you'll grow. But what happens is when you feel weak, you don't want to move towards the light. And so, so Paul... He bows his knee. Instead of going up, he goes down. Uh, he, he sees the greatness of God, and he sees his own weakness. And instead of being encouraged to move towards God, he lowers himself and bows down. And this is why I think he is somebody that tells us it's so important to be rooted, to be grounded in love. Because unlike other experiences of weakness, when you're a Christian and you bow down, you haven't gone further from the love of Christ but you've actually drawn deeper into it. See the foundation, the place that our faith goes into the roots are in Christ who, yes, he sits enthroned in the heavenly realms, but he's the one who came from the place of glory with all of that power and walked alongside us in our world and with our weakness. And so you read through the gospels and Jesus comes to the, the physically weak, the sick, the disabled. He comes to those who are emotionally and spiritually attacked, the demon-possessed. He comes to those who, who were socially weak because they had no money. They were marginalized in community. He comes to those who are morally weak because they had failed in their sins. And Jesus comes among the weak, and he gives to them by facing the powers of the world and giving us the appearance that he was defeated by them. And what we see is the power of the world, what we don't see but we're told to see is it's the strength of the love of Christ who is there for us, our advocate, our helper, the one who would put power 
uh, into our lives. And so using um, the dialysis imagery that Ren introduced, everything that is weak and toxic in us comes out of us and goes to Christ who on the cross bears our sins. And everything life-giving from him is poured into us to make us alive. And we're told now when we bow ourselves down, we haven't gone further from the greatness of God, but we've drawn closer to the surpassing greatness of it. That by faith, putting our roots down, we actually tap into the life that God comes not to shame the weak, but to give life and power to them. And when we bow our knees, there's someone underneath us. It's, it's the love of Christ that we root ourselves in. And as the roots go down in faith, we draw life from Christ. So then we come up from prayer and we move towards God in life and in this world. And the Christian is meant to be bold. The Christian is meant to go into the world to change the world. But if we're not rooted and grounded, the world is going to change us. So we don't go and hide, but we go and we pray and we get in community and we bow our knees and we recognize that Christ is under us and Christ is above us. And he calls us to stand and he sends us out. And so verse 20 says, it's, it's a doxology to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And so here you are saying, I'm supposed to be so rooted in love that I comprehend all of these things. I, I still don't understand this. We're told God is going to do more than you think. <laughs> and how's your prayer life going? He's also going to do more than you ask. And so bow your knees and trust him and plant your roots in him. And that's where you will get power in your inner being. That's where you'll grow. Um, I'm, I'm supposed to say something here, but really what I want to say is amen. Uh, um, I, I want to say, man, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself and loving us in this way. You know, if you're like me, you realize that you you need strength for this time. I want to be strong. But in the upside downness of the kingdom, can I be strong enough to admit my weaknesses so that his strength could be made evident? Am I strong enough that I can be vulnerable and let my friends in the church know that I'm suffering? Am I strong enough that I can admit my faults and, and be honest with God? And I'm going to need humility to be able to do all of those things well. Um, and what you just said, Scott, is drawing it out of me, that Jesus, you know, <laughs> that Jesus humbled himself. I'm humbled before him. I'm, I'm humbled by him that he would do that for me. Um, and so I guess my preaching encouragement is, um, is that we would look to Christ and draw from him the strength to be honest and humble, that all the other spiritual disciplines of, of loving others, admitting weakness, and jousting honestly uh, could come out of his strength and the love that he gives us. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for sending your son who humbled himself to serve us, to save us, to draw um, all of 
the toxins, all of the sin, all of the weakness out of us, that we might live in him, and that he would give us uh, his strength, and that we would live off of his infinite power. Thank you for sending your son to be uh, the one who was rooted, rooted deeply in you, immovably in you, but the hurricane came and he fell on our behalf that we might be raised again. Help us to comprehend the strength that you have provided for us in Jesus by your grace. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.